Hey, I'm Dina Blizzard, and you're watching One Funny Morning. Welcome to One Funny Morning Show. From Monday to Friday. And sometimes on Saturday. Why would you say that for all these people? You never know what's going to happen. Carmen. Cortez. Good morning, everybody. What's outside your weather door? Good morning. Happy, 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 everybody. everybody good morning you got a nice morning from i don't know 15 people drunk at a restaurant and you're welcome um it is thursday happy thursday everybody good morning all from ohio we have a very large ohio contingency that i think i have greatly underestimated uh so welcome to all the ohioans um boobies here boob come here all right, so here's what's happening. So Lulu got picked up. She is traveling with Jim today. So now all we have left is Booby. And Booby is scared out of her mind because Brooke had some friends over last night. So now she's staring at all of the people in the kitchen. And this is what that looks like. In case you wanted to have Booby on as a co-host, this is what it looks like. <laughs> she says, I don't want to die. So um, Booby is basically sitting on my leg um, under the table um, and doing what boxers do, which is lean against you with all the power of her entire body. And so, um, yeah, freezing in Reno and I have to run a million errands. This is the intensity in which Ruby lives her life. <laughs> Anytime she sees a person besides the five of us, this is what she looks like. She's like, you guys were going to die. It's the eyebrows that do it. <laughs> and there's no way it would look that good. Yes, it would, D. Uh, Jody did a beautiful picture of me with silver platinum hair. And I looked amazing and nobody believes it. I don't believe it. I think everybody else fell for it. But I was like, no one actually looks like that. So uh, such concern. <laughs> Her legs are digging into my legs. Okay. All right. Not as comfortable as one would think. So good morning. Good morning. Um Di's feeling well. I, I talked to her yesterday and she's doing um, better. So uh, hopefully we will get to be eating some of our breakfast bake soon because this has to be done before Christmas or what's the point? Mm -hmm. um, so we have a great guest today that will be joining us a little bit later this afternoon. Um, <clears throat> so I thought we would start 
with a slightly different topic called why mm -hmm. why is my dog so afraid i'm only kidding booby you okay no you know what's so funny is that she's watching them as if she's a good guard dog but if any one of them walked even one step closer her heart would stop working and she would fall over and die it's not a good watchdog. She's more of like a, let me see when I'm going to die. Okay. Okay. Booby. Booby. Okay. All right. Um, I should hold booby like a baby over my shoulder, but they're facing the wrong way. So this is, you know, okay. Okay. All right. I'll just do this. I know. She's so scared. She's so scared. How many people, when you were little, thought the word was a scared? Be honest. Um, I remember, I don't know if it was the kids. I was like, no, the word is just scared. They're like, I'm a scared. And I said, it's, there's not a name. Okay. Mm -hmm. She watching out for herself, Bryn. This is not like, let me get on your lap. I only watch what's happening. So I'd be the first to alert you. No. She will jump out of my arms and run and hide. Maybe scream, save yourself. Uh, but that, I doubt it. Mostly the her, her nails would dig into my skin as she leapt off of my face. Mm hmm. Scary. Mm hmm. But my son was so kiss. She was like, I still say it that way. I am scared. I know. I know. Bro, come over here and pet her for a second so she. Stops with the yeah, they're in the fridge. They should be in the fridge, or they're in the cabinet. Um, you want to say hi to everybody? Huh? I look very gross right now. Young and beautiful people never look gross. That's the joy. I remember when we were when we were your age. And we would come in and, and try to put makeup on. And Grandma would say, you're so beautiful. Makeup is not for young people. Makeup is for old people. You don't need me. You're a natural beauty, Grandma would say. You're a natural beauty. Grandma doesn't say that to me anymore, ironically. She's, She's like, like, get that makeup on, bitch. You should put some makeup on. So, you ugly. No, you you're literally gorgeous. 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 You think I'll be gorgeous with my silver hair? Mm -hmm. Is it what? How are you going to feel if my whole head is silver? I think it'll look really pretty. Like that one lady on um, the Golden <gasps> Good morning. Tiffany's here. She said hi, girls. Wait, wait. Oh, my God. Wait. I oh, my gosh. Wait. Wait. I read the book, Tell Tiffany. Her. And I haven't read a book in... Wow. Long, well, no, I've read books, but like I haven't finished them because they weren't as interesting. I finished your book in like a few weeks, and that's good for me. <laughs> uh, I thought you were to say a few hours. Kinda, kind of. Kind of. It was the it was the best book. I loved it so much, and the fact that I can read that book is crazy. It's so good. Like it flows. Like that's saying something. I hate books normally. Wow. Um, you know, I'm writing one. Do you think you'll read mine or I'll just send it to Tiffany's daughter? She can't read it until she's 18. But oh, yeah, I literally recommended it to all my friends. Like it's, I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. So I 
There you go, that. Tiffany. Yeah. If you need her to type this up uh, for the back mm -hmm. cover of your next book. <laughs> yeah. if you're I'll have my own section. <laughs> with a picture, with yeah. a headshot of Brooke on the back of your next book. And just movie. let her know. Mm -hmm. She's here for you. So uh -huh. Tiffany uh, is one of the people that encouraged me to uh, to write a book. She don't even know most of the dirty chapters that are in it. What? She's like, wait, what? What? We I gotta call Dina. What? So uh so yeah, we'll see. I did a good job. I I did about a quarter of the book and now and then I lost track of myself. So I gotta go write some more things. So we'll see. Um but yeah, everybody would be excited to see you. This made my morning. Thank you, Dina. So happy you're writing a fight. I know. I know. Um, so we'll see. Did Brooke just sing with Rowan at a 55 plus community? Yeah. Yeah, she was there. Wait, what? Was one of the ladies there? Um, Peacock, oh no, that's Tara Michelle was there. She must have known you were there. Was she working? I don't know. Oh, she said, I have a video. <laughs> I'll send it to me, Tara. I was not there, nor did I hear anything about it. Which is how this goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that. All right. So here is, uh, we have, uh, we're talking about stress in a little bit, but an article came out that I thought we would look at um, because, you know, I love to look at these and see if we can guess. So here was the title of the article, 10 Fascinating Things We Learned About Kids in 2023. I was like, what? So these are all based on science. We have science that thanks for these findings on everything from screen time to mental health and language and behavioral development. So uh, I feel like we've been learning about kids for a long time. So apparently there's 10 new things that we learned about children in 2023. And I would like to know if you want to guess what. I'm going to guess if it's screen time, screen time is bad. Is that new? Lulu? I feel like we knew that. Um yeah, don't your kids know yet that we have eyes everywhere? Everywhere. They don't know. I think that um, Brooke is, that? yeah, Brooke is the probably the one that's under the radar because she's performing. Although Dean sometimes will show up at ABC things too. A lot of people have seen Dean show up on their televisions when he does clips here and there. I think Jacqueline's the one that's the that's most in hiding. You can't find her. She's very stealthy. Very stealthy. Mm-hmm. Tanny's like, uh, kids are more annoying. That I found out in 2023. Anybody else want to take a guess on the things that we found out about children in 2023? Let me see. Okay, I just don't understand this. Why do we need science to tell us this? Here's number one. Physical activity is good for kids' psyches as well as their bodies. Yeah, they don't have a handle stress. They're spoiled rotten. Social skills are out the, uh, out the door. They do dumb crap. All good. And didn't need it. Right. A study from Eastern Finland University found that 8th and ninth graders who walked or rode their bikes to school had higher perceived academic performance and enjoyed school more than their peers who used other forms of transportation. All right, that's kind of interesting. So if you live near the school... Um, 
Students who enjoyed a leisure time physical activity, such as sports practices, four to six hours a week were 50% less likely to experience school burnout than their less active peers. All right, here we go. This is a, they lie a lot. Listen, I would much rather read all of your, they're needy and not self-sufficient. They lie. Guys, this is so much more entertaining than this article. All right, more screen time for babies is associated with an increased risk of developmental delays. How many people are putting their babies in front of a screen? A study published by the Journal of American Medicine found a correlation between the amount of screen time babies got at age one and their chances of having developmental delays at ages two and four. Delays at ages two and four were found in both communication and problem solving. How many people are putting one-year-old babies in front of a screen? A lot. What? A one? A one-year-old? I've seen one-year-olds. I've had three of them. Yeah. <laughs> I've met three one-year-olds. Yeah, but like I feel like parents now, not all parents, but I feel like one-year-olds. Yeah. I've definitely like, seen like two or three-year-olds. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like it's older kids. Why can't my my son call me mom and said half the time it's bruh? Yeah. Bruh. Mm-hmm. I see it in grocery stores constantly. Can a one-year-old hold a screen? I don't know. Maybe it's been a while since I've had a one-year-old. Baby Mozart. Yeah, but baby Mozart. Okay, I did that. But, you know, that was, wasn't that, I mean, there were some things on the screen, but it was music and Baby Einstein. Yeah. I don't know. It's like looking herself in the phone. Many people, but one-year-olds in front of screens, they, these are directed for one-year-olds. Yeah. My extremely smart daughter would watch Baby Einstein while I was working. Boom. Okay. Why did we need a study for this? Are you ready? Here's number three. Kids who have warm, loving relationship with parents grow up to be kinder people. You mean, let me get this straight. You had to do a study to find out that two people love you more than life itself compared to people who don't have two people that love them more than life itself will turn out better. Thank God we did this study. What? One-year-olds work my phone better than me. Right? I don't understand. Screen time impacts adolescents' brains and may put them at risk for mood disorders. Kids who spent more time on screens at ages 9 and 10 were more likely to show symptoms of anxiety at 11 and 12. Some kids are simply born poor sleepers. This just sounds like stuff we already knew. Oh, that's not a one. Talking to babies influences the structure of their brains. Don't we know that? Isn't that why we talk to children and plants? Uh, a correlation between the amount of speech babies were exposed to and their brain structure. Scientists measured the amount of languages language that babies were exposed to at home. How would you measure that? How are you going to measure it? They found that infants who heard their parents and other adults saying more words had higher concentrations of myelin in parts of their brain associated with language. While parents may sometimes feel a bit silly holding one-way conversations with babies, talking to children is how they eventually learn to speak 
And now we know that these experiences impact the physical structure of their brain. Let me get this straight. You mean having one-way conversations with people over the internet every single day for three years when people actually don't talk back to you? Isn't completely crazy? But that's weird because I do that every day. Children's nap patterns are related to their cognitive functioning. All right, children ages eight to three years, they found a relationship between nap patterns and child's cognitive functioning. I can't even say it. I need a nap. Our research shows that how frequently a child naps reflects their individual cognitive need. Some are more efficient at consolidating information during sleep, so they nap less frequently. I know. Oh, we talk back. You just don't hear us. Uh huh. Carrie, I don't know. I guess smart people don't have to nap as much, which is why I nap all the time. Mm -hmm. And said that there's evidence that people who drive down the road on on a screen have balance problems. Apparently, their brain sees all the things passing in a car, helps develop that part of their brain. so crazy. Yeah. Jurgen, good morning. I know, Carrie, I nap every day. So now every time I nap, I'll be like, go to bed, dummy, just to myself. <laughs> Honestly, that's not far from what I say. I had to take a nap yesterday because I got my period yesterday and I went to the gym, which apparently means your body's broken. Has anybody done... Just, okay, so yesterday, yesterday, it's just, I'm done the morning show, I'm talking to Brooke, and she was like, hey, can you pick up some pads? It's got my period. I was like, oh, me too. Here's her reaction. What? You still get your period? And I go, okay, first of all, I'm supple. I'm young and supple, and this all works. Okay, and the shock in your face, how would you crumpled, crusty old lady? That's her face. That was her face to me. Mm -hmm. Then an hour later, I'm talking to Jacqueline. And she was like, hey, so-and-so called. She's not feeling good. You should go see her. And I said, well, I'm not feeling good myself. So I'm going to, I need to lay down and then I'm going to go see her. She's like, you should go see her now. I was like, well, I'm not because I'm laying in bed because I don't feel good. We do this whole thing where she got to tell me I got to get up, but I'm pretty sure she's sleeping. And then I said, Jacqueline, I just got my period. I don't feel good. I went to the gym. These were all poor decisions. I have to take a nap. Here's Jacqueline. You still get your period. I was like, okay. Okay. I am not sure why everyone doesn't understand how youthful I am. Mm -hmm. She looks so sad. Yeah, she looks like she's about to be attacked is what she looks like. You're not going to be attacked. Mm -hmm. So that was my day yesterday where everyone wondered how in the world I would still have a period. And and that really feels good on the inside. So uh, and then I decided, yeah, I like to use the word supple. And I highly suggest you use it in your own lives. It upsets a lot of people. <laughs> because they're like, who says supple? 
throw it in conversation today, please. In the most inopportune times, it work mostly, especially if you work in tech, just throw it out there because people, my leg is going numb as we speak, Linda. This dog is so bony and she is pressing her donies into my leg so much. Yeah, well, I'll say, Tanya, so I hit menopause, no period. But then I got the pellets in my butt. And the pellets um, give you estrogen back, which causes a period. So then I started getting a period for like, I don't know, two days, none, then three days, then none, then five, just all the time. And she was like, nope. Um, it, it's been a whole, it's been a whole thing. So I, I get it. I, I literally get it the same day of the month. It lasts four days. I'm on Facebook, Barb. You can find me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and some for some reason, apparently, I don't remember doing this, but I must have. But you guys remember, like, how old you were when you started buying your own, like, period products? Because everyone comes home and steals them from my house. What? That's normal. You know what I'm talking about. That's hairbands. Yeah, sure, hairbands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, Jacqueline comes home and steals toilet paper. Period product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Brooke, I would love some pancakes with chocolate chips. Oh, I forgot that you um, are you trying to tell me something, Michelle? I was uh, Michelle fixed so, her morning. Michelle fixed her face. I tried to find you alive. It won't come up for me on Facebook again. I don't know why. Yeah, she forgot I had a period. She forgot that I wanted pancakes. I'm not really here. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. And Michelle Mooney also wants chocolate chip pancakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so... Um, I'm freaking out thinking she was pregnant when she had menopause. She was maybe 51 when my dad was turning off. They had one hat last her. What? She wasn't though, Beth, right? I found pads in my mom's purse. Thought my mom was a medical getting her periods. Turns out they were poise pads, not period pads. He came back with dinner napkins. No, he didn't. She sent him to the store for sanitary napkins and he came back with dinner. I remember when the belt attached to the pad and by the afternoon it was a thing crawling up my back. Juliet, I don't, I miss that and it's super weird. Mm-hmm. Just buy it for them for Christmas and watch their face. Mm-hmm. No, Angela, um, that's how you're, I'm supposed to be getting estrogen. Uh, it's just that they kind of control your period through the use of progesterone. It's a whole thing. It's basically a science experiment that happens in my lower regions every month. I love it. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ick. All right. Anyway, so I guess we're going to just keep booby here. This is what this looks like now. This is the morning show. Uh, surprise baby at 55. Cooley, you have upset a lot of people, and I don't know why you would say that. The belts were horrific. See, Judy, I missed it. I can't even speak to it, and I'm so glad. 
Um, so listen, there is obviously uh, a lot of stress when it comes to women in their 50s that are getting their period. It shouldn't be happening. Uh, there's a lot of stress, as we talked about yesterday. Um, Brooke, I have a guest coming on now, so... Um, A lot of stress going into the holiday season. We talked about it yesterday uh, when we were kind of going through our article about what are the things that psychologists say that they don't do during the holiday season. And it uh, kind of unraveled a number of scenarios for all of us. Um, But uh, sexy producer Michelle was able to get us the perfect guest for this holiday season. Thanks, baby. because she is basically a an expert in stress. And so we wanted to bring her on because I know that between apparently all my kids moving back home. What? I mean, I love it that you're here and the holidays and my mother who insists on going to urgent care every day and then asking me to pick her up and then leaving before I get there and then following her there only for them to say you have a cold and please don't come back. Whatever. These are just small things in my life that don't bother me at all. Okay, so let me introduce our guest because her resume is quite fabulous and I want you to think about all the things that you wanna ask her about how she can fix your life. And it's a very simple thing and I think she has all the answers. So here we go. Dr. Kathleen Hall is the founder and CEO of Mindful Living Network and the Stress Institute. After many years working as an international stress expert at the Stress Institute, she realized that Mindful Living is an antidote to stress and subsequently founded the Mindful Living Network in 2007 to promote mindful living, mental and physical health, stress resilience, and work-life balance. She's highly sought after um, during times of stress, like mass shootings, terrorist bombings, and disasters. She's been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, as well as Dr. Oz, Anderson Cooper, everyone knows is my boyfriend. She's worked with a number of Fortune 500 companies uh, in stress, mindful living, and work-life balance including McDonald's, Home Depot, the Kellogg's Foundation, and Martha Stewart Publications coined her as the stress queen. She's earned a Bachelor of Science in Finance from Jackson State University, or Jacksonville State University, Master's in Divinity, what, from Emory University, a doctorate in spirituality, and a PhD. She's become interested in the mind-body connection to stress and health outcomes, and she continued her studies with medical pioneers, at Harvard, at uh, University of Massachusetts Medical Center, so many amazing things. She's the author of four books, Mindful Living Every Day, Uncommon Hope, A Life in Balance, Nourishing the Four Roots of True Happiness, and Alter Your Life, Overbooked, Overworked, Overwhelmed, and she lives with her family in Atlanta, where she continues her work with animal rescue groups. She's going to love Ruby, uh, as well as hospitals, inner city, public schools, and has spent most of her life volunteering with countless organizations. So we're happy to have her with us. Yes, she has come to help us. So please help me welcome to the show, Dr. Kathleen Hall. Hey, Dr. Kathleen. Hi, how are you? I'm good. You already look so relaxed in your in your morning routine. And I already look so stressed. <laughs> I am relaxed. <laughs> Do you have a dog laying on your on your I have two Jack Russells right here beside you. Yeah, and a three-legged cat, a little tripod sitting right here. Oh, that's not that's nothing. That's nothing. I guess five years ago, uh, we moved from the farm back to the city of Atlanta. I had twelve inside dogs. I had thirty-five outside dogs. Twenty cats. 
five possums, six raccoons. So yeah, and 65 horses. Let me throw in the 65 horses. So yeah, 10 miles of board fence and all that stuff and then had a very busy life. So yeah, I'm, I'm an animal. I, I'm an animal trapped in a human body and it's very painful because I do <laughs> not understand these humans. I do not no. understand it at all. No, no, that's amazing. Yeah. What made you decide to give all that up and move closer to the city? Well, I did it for 30, 35 years and it's a lot of work. I, we're, we're, we're in the breeding business. So <laughs> I was the one that was following out mares from, you know, one in the morning till five in the morning and talk about stress, be at the rear end of a 1200 pound mare who's delivering a 120 pound foal. And lots of times it's transverse, which means it's sideways instead of coming out the way that it should. And you're there by yourself and it's always sleeting. It's spring. That's when they're usually born because we breed in the spring and they carry them for a year. So, and I'm always by myself with my overalls on and up there. And I call the, either my assistant or I'll call the vet and they're an hour away, about an hour and 15 minutes away. So everything happens. So yeah, I, I live it. Yeah. So it, but, um, there's something that you just never forget about it being freezing and sleeting and snowing. You're alone in that straw and you look at this female horse who's got this huge thing and she's trying, trying to deliver it and the look on her face. Now here's the other side of stress. Tell me. Her, her hoofs can crush you at any second. Remember, because you're right there at her, at her rear end. And that's where of course her hooves are. Mm -hmm. So um, you have to be, you talk about, being calm and you know whatever happens you have to be the calmest because their uh, uh horses are one of the most intuitive beings on the planet mm. so anyway you have to take her through that and then you take out the baby the baby comes out and then you're in lots of times the sack is too thick and i always have my knife in my overalls so then you look at her and you can see the little tongue and she's in this thick sack and then you take the knife sometimes and you have to open it and when that water from the birth goes down into the straw and the steam goes up into the cold air and the mayor looks at her baby and you're one with all that, nothing else on the earth, I'm telling you. It's, wow. it's like the most terrifying few minutes of your life and the most absolute, unique joy and connection with life itself. So I miss that. But uh, 10 miles aboard fence, you know, 500 acres, running everything, writing books, traveling around the world. I did it for 30, 35 years. And then I went, I wonder what it's like. I wonder what it's like not to be so busy. See, because remember, I came from being a workaholic. Mm. So I wondered, am I just transposing? Do you see, even though it looks a little different than Wall Street, mm -hmm. I'm doing the same thing mm -hmm. again. Patterns. I said, I wonder what would happen. So I bought a house in a neighborhood that I've loved, uh, lived here before. And, um, and it's been pretty traumatic to go from, uh, you know, waking up, looking across a 20 acre lake. Mm -hmm. And even though I worked uh, organic gardens, canned my own food, had a bird sanctuary. So it, it was uh, pretty much heaven, but also isolating. The older you get, and we're women, mm -hmm. um, the isolation uh, is horrible. Mm -hmm. And as I was aging, I went, you know, this isn't fun anymore. I want women to belly laugh with mm. and get pissed off with and talk about our ratty little kids and how they betrayed us. And, um, you know, just the whole collective consciousness of being, and especially at my age, when I was marching 
in my era, I was marching with Betty Friedan, Gloria Steinem, all that stuff for title, you know, for the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Women couldn't have credit, remember, the Equal Rights Amendment. I mean, we had nothing back then. So um, I miss all that camaraderie and wildness. Yeah. And um, and even though I lived in the wild with, of course, bears and coyotes and my buddies, all my friends, but it's a different wildness than the older you get, letting go of being, I mean, we're born into being somebody's daughter then mm. we're, you know, somebody's uh, wife, somebody's mother, uh, somebody's grandmother and all of that stuff. Mm. And I wondered, so anyway, it's been heaven with my friends. I've got tribes, I've got different tribes that meet different needs. Some are political mm. or radically always, you know, marching or our poor woman, Kate Cox in, in Texas, who's had to sit there with this uh, baby dying inside of her. I actually worked at a hospital here called Northside and I was the chaplain out there for the women. It's a women's hospital. It was a woman's hospital. And I did um, all the stillbirths. I did all the women like her whose babies were dying or dead or had to have emergency abortions and you know, it was their first child. They were excited. They were lawyers. They were doctors. There were people like you and I that had waited to have a baby forever. And then they find out it doesn't have a head or it's dead or mm-hmm. something horrible. So I did that for a lo- I did that for a while for in my clinical training. And uh, so that case in Texas has really, 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 yeah. you know, really hit me at the core of my being. Yeah. yeah. How, how a woman, how, and your husband too, but still how you helpless, you feel helpless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have entered the show with the, with the biggest boom of stories that we've ever had. It's been quite amazing. And I have like a hundred questions, but first a couple things. Did you say that the baby horse is 125 pounds? 100, 100, right about that. Sure. Yeah. And the cool thing is part of my stress management with two was, um, we entrain with animals, meaning that's why you had that dog on your lap and a cat or a horse. Um, a horse's heartbeat is an average about 40, 45 beats a minute. And so when I would get stressed or whatever, seeing mine would be 100, 110, I'd go up and all my pregnant mares, I'd just lay on them and I'd feel the baby kick too, by the way. Mm. And um, by the way, there's nothing like looking at a sonogram with a little horse swimming around in their mother. I'm telling you, it's it's like a different experience. It's the hardest. Ask anybody that runs a breeding farm. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. Now, this was my husband's idea, by the way. He <laughs> wanted horses. And then I was terrified of horses. I would be too. Yeah. And so, um, and especially women that have suffered or, or survived uh, sexual abuse or violence in their home and all that stuff, which I did. Um, it's a terrifying thing. Yeah. So um, I looked at him and I'm all into walking into every fear that I have. Of course, that's part of my mm. whole story of my life. I mm. went, sure. You want to have a world champion horse? Okay. Okay. I'll try to raise one. So um, that's when we bought the farm and stuff. And um, he's one of those doctors. He's a physician. We're all, my daughter's a physician. We're all doctors. So, um, but I didn't know this till we got the farm and the horses. He's the kind of, um, oh, what do you call it? Not white collar, but um, you know, one of those upper class guys that stays in the hall of the barn with his cell phone when the you know what hits the fan. Like, who do you want me to call? Do you want, I really don't get dirty. I really don't like horse poop. Yeah, I have to. I'm a gastroenterologist. I deal with blood all day long. I just really don't do this. 
so anyway, after we got into it for years, I, I did, I call it, I did the dirty work, mm. he was he, but I wouldn't take a million dollars. Well, let, let me ask you this though. Cause I always, uh, always, I've seen animals, mothers, uh, have babies. Like you'll see like a giraffe, have a giraffe. Right. And it's like, you could see the, like you're saying the pain in their eyes. But then as soon as the mom has the baby, she just walks away. Like I'm done. I'm, I am good. And then she'll kind of glance back, maybe look at, but like, is it, is it that instantaneous where the horse has, and then looks fine or like, cause you never, they, then they just follow the baby. And I'm always like, is anybody paying attention to the mare? How's the mare? Like, does it take a long time for them to recoup or no horse jumps up right away? The mare jumps up. Remember, uh, this is why horses are so jumpy. Horses are prey. People think that they're big and they're afraid of them. But remember, throughout time, they're eaten. They're eaten by wolves and coyotes and animals and people. So they're afraid. That's why they have a, they have a 320 degree sight. That's why their eyes are here. Wow. So, so horses are prey and they know it. So the first thing they do after that baby's born is they jump up to protect it. So no, you have. So that's the other side of the coin is when I have complications with the baby and it's dying or dead. I'm, and I'm trying to do something, clear out its, you know, clear out its uh, throat, clear out its mouth. Um, uh, the horse, the mare will jump up, of course. And so you have to deal with her, see, because she knows something's wrong. Um, so no, no, they're very, very, very protective. That's why I'm one of the only ones. You just can't have somebody walk in in the middle of a uh, mayor thing. No, no, no. They're very, very, very protective. Because wow. remember, they, they know somebody's going to eat their in their DNA. They know that something's going to kill their baby. Wow. And so for the first six months, um, by the way, since I'll give you this little primer on horses, um, uh, horses are not born with immunoglobulins. They have no immune system. Foals don't. Mm -hmm. So they have passive transfer from their mothers for the first six months. So that's why the nursing is so huge. And if we've had a horse, a mare with no milk, then we had to get nurse mares from Kentucky to come down and nurse the mares because- Like a wet nurse? There's wet nurses for horses? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We actually started, we had we had so many horses at University of Georgia, we actually uh, started the neonatology unit over there with a goat. You always have to, you always have, to have a goat in the neonatology unit because when I the mare's nervous and everybody's nervous, a goat calms everybody down immediately. See all you're picking up. What? See all these tips. You're picking. You thought it was just about stress. You got. I was gonna say. Are you saying I should get a goat for just out here? And then anytime I'm stressed, I can be like, guys, let's go to the goat. And just the goat would no, come. No, in it doesn't. It, not the same for humans. No, no, you don't want to do that for humans. No. The, the uh, because you'd have to clean up the poop. Another thing for you to do. I'm like your husband. I'm yeah, you have to watch it eat. Uh, you know, like me, I have 40 camellias in the backyard, and Rose, they eat everything that they possibly can eat. So no, you don't. Well, you have forty what in your backyard? Camellias, you know, beautiful, gorgeous. You know what camellias are? Those gorgeous flowers, like um, Chanel, Coco Chanel, on all of her things. She, um, that's an interesting biography about how she got attached to camellias. By the way. Okay, <laughs> Kathleen, I feel like I could talk to you about twelve different topics, mostly horses and now goats. Probably a uh, hundred different topics. Probably a hundred. You're very interesting. But you've named so many things that you've done. But one of the things that you said is that you are the kind of person that when you are afraid of something or scared of something, you move towards it. I am that same person. So like, and you are called the stress queen. So like, tell us, how, do, how does one become you? How did you come about? Why stress? Why were you drawn to this? 
I um, was on Wall Street on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center that is no longer there. Uh, and I lived in Atlanta, flew back and forth, had two children and was married to a gastroenterologist. Mm. So to say I was stressed is the understatement of, mm. uh, of the world. So what I did, though, I went up there and I knew these guys really well. I was the only woman. There were about 75 men. And um, and I watched them really turn from these really sweet kind of teddy bear guys when we all first got there to these kind of monsters. Mm. Greed, you know, Porsche after Porsche affairs, cocaine. Mm. And so I really sat back and watched, observed them and went, what is going on here? And I realized that what they were doing was covering up what they were afraid of, you know. And then I thought, why am I here? What am I afraid of? Mm. So um, as I kept drinking more and more and my marriage was falling apart and everything was happening, I went, you know what? I can either, I think I was 35, 37. I said, I can either face, face this now. And I'm so, I you know, was smart. I was, I had billionaire Chinese clients. I was buying and selling companies all over the world. So I was obviously one of 75 men. And I had to prove myself all the time. It was exhausting, you can yeah. imagine. Because they were waiting for me to fail with two kids. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and back then, it was, why would you work anyway if you're married to a doctor? Mm -hmm. um, way back then. So And so what happened was um, I said, uh I can't do this. I, I not, didn't say I can't do this. I said, I will not do this. Now I'm an Emerson Thoreau person. Okay. Emerson Thoreau, you know, existentialism, all this other stuff. And I went, Hmm, this is not the way to live. Uh, so what happened was I said, they're all living by fear. So I sat there, drew a circle and I wrote my five greatest fears and my greatest fears. Uh, first off, I, by the way, back to the, I knew I could manipulate my way through life. I was attractive. I was connected. I um, could, you know, rap Steve Jobs. Or This is the old days. Bill Gates, all those kind of guys. We did IPOs, Ted Turner. We did public offerings and all that. So I knew my power. I was very attractive. So I knew all those were manipulative. Manipulative is the key word. Right. What I did was I looked at myself in the mirror and I went, you know what? You can play this game for the rest of your life. You can manipulate your life. You, you, I even manipulate my husband. Wow, this is really horrible. So what I did was I wrote the five, and I said, I'm afraid. So I wrote the five things. First was being poor. Okay. Second was um, not being as powerful as I was. Third was losing my intelligence, my edge on finance or, you know, N plus one value theories and all that stuff. One was um, not having status because I lived on West Paces Ferry. You don't know where that is, but it's a very, that's where we lived. And... Um, and the last was being alone. I was terrified of being alone. Mm. So here I was see, flying back and forth by myself and all that. But I knew I was married. knew I had these kids. knew I had a family. Mm. So that was what I was terrified of. So I looked at that circle. It was a circle. And I went, hmm, this is really a horrible way to live. I'm terrified of these things. So this means I could just keep making money thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. I'm going to be protected from all these things. Or I can jump into them. I can face every single one of them. So um, I now, went. Talking, Kathleen, how old were you when you made this circle? 37. So I went up to the Hamptons with uh, a big party and I walked into this guy's uh, den, his office. And I looked and on the wall was a quote by Thoreau. And it said, I went to the woods to live deliberately, to confront the essential facts of life, to learn what it had to teach so that when I died, I would know that I had lived. And I just started crying hysterically and said, I am the biggest fake that ever lived. So this is the truth. 
came home, sold everything I had, my job. I uh, went and started up in the North Georgia mountains. I started looking for a cabin. It only took one day, one real estate agent. I found a cabin in the woods, uh, 500 acres in the middle of the national forest. And um, so what I did was came home and I said, we're going to have a family meeting and you can have 5% of me for the rest of my life, which is this life we're living now, or you can have 100% of mommy for the rest of your life if we do it, little experiment. And the experiment was I had to live up there for a year by myself with no power. Now, now, mind you, there was no electricity, no gas, no nothing. There was an outhouse in the middle of the National Forest. So I don't even want to talk about how wild it was. So we took a vote and voted how we'd figure it out because my daughters were playing sports and stuff that I would come down for every game. They would come up, you know, every other weekend or every weekend. But I had to go through the terror of all my five fears. No power. So I bought two pair of overalls, a pair of boots and four pairs of size small men's T-shirts. And first night, you know, rattlesnakes, copperheads, coyotes, bears scratching at the thing in the middle of the night, totally by myself. No alcohol, no nothing. I made myself face every single fear. And then what happened was hunters that had wounded animals after a couple of weeks or so they'd smell the food, you know, out into the woods. And so they'd start coming to my door. So whether they had been shot with arrows or guns or whatever, I, that's how I got into the rescue business. I started bringing them in with me and working with them. And uh, so that's what happened. I lived uh, up there and uh, then the game wardens came and said, you know, you need to protect yourself in case these hunters come up or something. So they bought me a gun and put up targets and taught me how to shoot. So I became an expert shot. Um, and anyway, this is, so- like, uh, this is like a lifetime movie in the middle of a, 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 a CSI something. This this is an incredible story. So that's what I did. And so that's what I decided. So those are the that's my tap root was I went if I am not authentic for the rest of my life. If I am not real, then what is my life worth? So to be honest with you, that is exactly how I started. And. A lot of my people that know me call me fearless, but I'm not fearless. No one's fearless. That's not true. Full of fear, but you face it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so after this year is over, what do what do you do when you come back? Like you come back to life. You you grab your stuff. You go. Well, what happened? What happened was a friend of mine, like you, we were you know very spontaneous. She's adorable. Uh, she um, uh, was. Uh, really spiritual. And so they were having a Nobel prize conference out at Emory where I had gone. No, I, I hadn't been there yet. Excuse me. So I went out there she said, would you come with me? It's the Dalai Lama, Thich Nhat Hanh and Jimmy Carter. And they're going to be speaking in a two day conference. Would you come down from the mountains and go with me? I said, sure. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know money. I, I know it like the back of my hand, but I love um, architectural design. I love, I'm a great, I'm a master gardener. I love to garden. So, and I can, I love to can everything too. I'm a canning freak. Um, and so, but I learned that at the farm. I, I kept my own gardens and did my thing. So I said, I'm either going to go to Georgia Tech and be a landscape architect. Um, and she said, no, come, come with me first before you get into another graduate school. So anyway, what happened was I went out there and my life changed forever. I um, met Jimmy Carter, who opened my heart. I'm not going to cry, but in ways that I never dreamed possible. Then the Dalai Lama was different because instead of running or, or instead of going to anger management classes or stress management classes or all these other things that I 
had thought about doing. He said, no, 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 no. He said, it's information. It's beautiful. Embrace it. Pretend that your fear is a baby. Pretend you're stressed. Put it in a pink blanket and sit in a rocking chair. So it was the opposite of the way Western get it. You bring it into you and you love it. You don't judge it as bad. It's information. So that was number two. And three was Desmond Tutu. And Desmond Tutu and I sat beside each other at lunch and he started talking and he leaned over with his tiny, he's very tiny, he was, touched my hand and he looked into my eyes and he said, your magic of the magic of your life, Kathleen, will be when you don't run from your suffering, that when you use yourself into it, just like a beautiful gift. And he said, your life will change forever. He said, this is your gift. Your suffering is your gift. So it changed my life. So they all invited me to come there. And that's how I went there for three years. I uh, left the woods. That's how I left the woods. I went there. Wow. And uh, that's what I did. And uh, and they changed, those people changed because they came there. Um, they were sitting professors there. So they came and went. They had chairs wow. at Emory. Wow. So it changed my life forever about stress too. Remember, because you don't run from it. It's information. It's not negative. Yeah. It will kill you. Yeah. You know, and it can chronic stress and all this, which, you know, I know the science and we can talk about that later or another show or whatever. But mine was it was a different framing of it. And um, and so then, you know, I decided to jump into all kinds of suffering because it's suffering is stress. And so that's when I worked at the uh, Northside Hospital with the women whose all their babies were dead. And we had to do horrible things like deliver a dead baby. And then I had to take it down to pathology and put it in the refrigerator and then wait for their family to get there a day later. And then I would do the funeral there at the hospital before they did even horrendous things I had to do. Yeah, I'm and sure. then I was fascinated. I worked at the battered women's shelter um, in downtown Atlanta at Grady. That was suffering and stress beyond belief. Women came in with their ears cut off, their throats cut. Uh, one man had a fight with his wife and couldn't get her ring off that he wanted back. And he put her arm down the garbage disposal. And so mm -hmm. she comes in with it. Uh -huh. So it was, it was, I, I decided a, a hospice and AIDS hospice where I changed diapers on 65 pound men dying of, of AIDS back then. And yeah. so I, I wanted to go into stress and suffering on a mitochondrial level. I didn't, I was smart. So I knew I could, you know, manipulate and cognitively learn the data. I knew that. But I wanted to experientially know what Desmond Tutu felt like being black and apartheid his yeah. whole life. Let well, me ask you this, Kathleen. So, so our community here, you talked about your tribe. We definitely have our tribe here. And I think our tribe uh, has come together because of humor. Uh, you know, I'm a comic and we make fun of lots of things. Um, but so many people, I feel like, including myself, I in the last two years went through divorce, lost my dad, hit menopause, all my kids kind of flew the coop. Now they're back. Those are lots of different forms of stress for both of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you say to, I mean, it sounds like so many of the things that you've dealt with were extremes, right? Either that you put yourself in to deal with your things uh, or then came back to, and then again, put yourself out to help people. Like, what do you say are some good pieces of advice for people who are 
just in their regular life dealing with maybe it's just death. Maybe. I mean, it was kind of unusual for all of mine to be happening at the same time. But like you, I'm a move towards things. I'd rather move through it, learn some lessons, feel every moment of it because I I didn't want to avoid it and then have it ruin future relationships or come up 10 years later. So I, I am of the same pact as you. Um, But what do you say to people who, you know, are not able to sell everything and, and have this moment of solitude or have the relationships that you've had? Um, What are your best piece of pieces of advice for, for people to, to manage it? Is it, is it to move towards it? And, and, you know, I say that because it's very natural to me to move towards it and to feel all of it. But I feel like, you know, we talk, we're an anxiety family. We talk about anxiety a lot here. Um, And avoidance is usually the thing that most people do. Um, And so when my daughter was very young, it was clear she had a true anxiety disorder. And I had said to her, if you let anxiety decide what you do and don't do, you will never do what you're meant to do. So she would sit and she would cry. She wanted to be an altar server and she sat up on that. We cried and cried the entire time and did it for her heart until she doesn't do it anymore. So what are some of the, of the coping skills or the things that mantras that you tell people to help them move towards the things that make them. Right. And, and, now, remember, I've been doing this a long time. So when I'm on major networks or radio shows, a lot of my call-ins are, I live off $12,000 a year or $15,000 a year, or I'm on Medicaid, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll actually yell at me and go, you know, you had this choice, you did this. How, how am I supposed to do it? So I get it. I'm totally in with you, 1 million percent. Yeah. But that's an excuse too. Uh, mm-hmm. Meaning, and, and, and the answer to your question is, How do you start? You start with, I believe, I call it ACE, A-C-E. It's in, I think it's in my first book. And um, and ACE is awareness, number one. And and think of it like balancing your checkbook, credit and debit, simple. Credit, debit, you put your deposits in your checking account, you put your minuses. So the positive are what, which is what we women don't do, especially when we're stressed out, have kids, jobs. Mm -hmm. What brings you life? Is it wearing orange one day? Is it petting the dog that I saw you with when you can? Is it planting or canning? Is it going to a great movie in the afternoon? What are the things that feed you? Just like a deposit in a checking account, what deposits you? What do you? What gives you pure joy and that credit uh, credit side? On the debit side, I used to call them poisons, but poisons make it negative. So since I did the Buddhist thing with all these people, I've changed all that. I call it on the debit side. What is um, keeping you from living your life? So things like shame, mm. fear, anger, mm. jealousy, guilt, all are huge guilt. Mm. So put those on the right side. And then by those, you put guilt. What do I feel guilty about? Uh, for me, it would be, you know, uh, I don't have much guilt. So let me go on to the next one. Anger. <laughs> quit shooting birds at people in Atlanta at stoplights. Um, Anyway, (laughs) you're the stress expert. Stop it. (laughs) You know, quit hitting people with your card in the public's line because they keep talking to anyway. um, So we all have our things. But, but it's only an awareness 
Because other than that, you sit there and go, I'm so angry. I'm, I'm so, you know, I, I, I'm so fearful. I'm so, so when I work with patients and clients, they flood it with, I'm so. No, no, you got to delineate what these things are. Mm-hmm. Only when you delineate, you know, then I know that mine's in the car. That's so be specific about what you're angry about. That's where right. your awareness, right. Okay. Where your awareness comes. And, and next is choice. A-C-E, ace your life. C is choice. Look at those. So on the left side, go, I haven't, I haven't had a bath in a year and I love baths. So you see, or, you know, I haven't been to a movie even by myself or with my friend and I've got little kids. Do you see? So you start looking, this is what we don't do. We women put ourselves, we don't do the left side. Once you start feeding the left side, you're not, it's a miracle what's going to happen to your life because all of a sudden you feel whole. You find out who you really are. You find out that maybe I, like me, I was great at finance, good at money. I loathed it. Why was I doing it then? The reason I did it was because I grew up with nothing and a mother who was poor. And no matter what I did, every night I went to bed, I told myself, I will never be poor. I will never be dependent on a man. I will never be like my mother. You see, so the driving force. So my whole life had been created, uh, you know, Dana, on, do you understand what I was afraid of? Mm-hmm. Instead of something that you chose. Thank you. I love you. So then on the left side was, boy, I really love plants. I re- well, and I wanted to go back to school to be a landscape architect. Get it? I love, love. So my thing was, that's on the awareness. Then the choice. You got to make a choice. And here's where women have the biggest problem. Choice. Mm. Choose, choose, choose. I have, think I have a whole line of merchandise when I had a product company of my work a long time ago, because I would give these speeches, talks, be on all over the nation, a world. And um, then I would give out these products. One is I choose. And the other bag says commitment. Those were the two things because we don't commit to it. And one is we're afraid to choose. So I choose meaning, okay, I'm going to take a bath once a week, no matter what. And I am going to eat an ice cream sandwich, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. And on the other side, I am so tired of being afraid. I am so tired of hating my job and hating my. Do you see whatever it is you and don't choose too many now on the debit side because you'll get overwhelmed. Yeah, you'll get overwhelmed. And then E A C E E is try it. See that that's the energy from the experience. It's like mm. an e, energy. So then go. You know, I did take that bath once a week, and it wasn't what I thought it was. Hmm. I thought I wanted to take a bath because all my friends take baths, but not anymore. You see, or I thought I wanted to take that class, but I went out at Emory and went to the evening at Emory, you know, just the part time. I really didn't like accounting or I did. Do you see? So what did it, did it build up your energy or vibrational frequency and you felt more whole or complete? I tried that. That didn't work. And then on the other side, the debit side, which is the, you know, negative side and uh, for me, anger in the car. Okay. I do. I'm, we have the worst traffic in the world. I guess you know that Atlanta does. So every day I leave here and I'm not even Catholic anymore. I make this, I have holy water out in the garage. It's true. I got it from Lourdes. I am so desperate. I used to get the water, local water. And then I thought, no, I'm going to get some Lourdes water. Yeah. To get the juiced up water. I am so rageful. I need some high powered. It's so funny because the way that you talk, it's like real relaxing and calming. And then you're just flipping the bird at people when you drive. That's Yeah, so then I get the water and I throw it on my car, my (laughs) my RAV4 Toyota. I used to drive Mercedes and all kinds of cars like that. You know what I also noticed? When you drive a car like that in Atlanta and you sit at a stoplight, people shoot birds at you. They hate you. They cut you off. But when you drive a Toyota RAV4, they let you in. They wave to you. They smile. So I said, I'll never drive a great car again. I love 
love this. <laughs> I love people being nice to me. So anyway, I throw holy water on the car, get in the car, make the sign of the cross. And again, I'm not even Catholic anymore. And I go, okay, God, today, no cursing, no birds, no, no filthy language. Okay. And I make it, I don't know, two blocks, maybe mm-hmm. three blocks. <laughs> and my husband, this is my husband's theory, him and my daughter, my doctor daughter. She goes, you know, mom, when you don't act like that, when you don't cuss and do this stuff, she's like, we don't even like you. You're weird. It's like you're trying to be some kind of saint and you're disgusting. We we love that part of you. We love the dirty you. I mean, it got so bad, Dana. I even went and bought holy water founts and put them at every door so that I go in and out. I am a funny person. Then I bought mezuzahs. You know what mezuzahs are at the doors? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have one. If you're Jewish. Yeah, yeah. I have mezuzahs, holy water. Yeah, yeah. I got the whole thing. Yeah. Now, Kathleen, whatever happens... You really dislike that neighbor. But when you see him, be nice to him. Don't do it. Every time. If I could just. So anyway, see, we're all human. But the awareness, choice, and the experience, I go, hmm, I really like that. You're not habitually. There's a difference. You're not habitually doing something. You're practicing. This is another thing they taught me. These spiritual, unbelievable world uh, Nobel Prize winners. Yeah. This is what they mentored me was it's practicing. Yeah. Habitual is no mind. You're just doing it over and over. Practice. Yeah. Practice. Yeah. And you learn that in horse riding, horse yeah. training, breeding horses. Practice. Because yeah. Yeah, I, have, I have the same conversations with my kids for um, all my kids and I are musicians. And um, and I have always said to them, I'm like, you know, I played piano since I was a kid. And if you asked me, um, what day did I learn the piano? I can't tell you. I have no idea. I just did it over and over again. There wasn't a day that I could be like, that was the day that I learned. It just became part of my routine was to practice. And so you do, you learn a little something every day. And so there are plenty of times where my kids are putting it like now, two of my kids are doing stand up, and they're like, it's not going well. I'm not funny. It's not this. It's not that. I'm like, there's one day. That I can tell you, that was the day I found out was funny. Oh, that's adorable. It is not something. Sometimes this. we learn things by just doing them, by putting ourselves into a place where we could learn. And so, but to your point, my favorite poem um, is the Serenity Prayer. Yes, uh, I say it every day. And I always say to my kids, I'm like, you know, accept the things you cannot change, the courage to change the thing you can and the wisdom being the most important part. Amen. You know, sometimes you're fighting something that isn't going to change. And there's got to be an awareness that you're just banging your head up against the same wall over and over again. And so that wisdom is the most important part. And so, um, you know, there's so many things I think that we have in common. Yeah, we do. And again, I haven't had, you know, during this time, we talked about a lot of other, well, other things, but I didn't actually get to, get to give you a lot of the great great tips and I think you've given us a ton of great tips and I you probably have a million more so I want to make sure that everybody uh, goes out and checks out your books so you have four books is there one book that you feel like is the first one people should read that you like more than others for what we've talked about today um, I think where the people uh, were I, I, I think mindful living every day is pretty important meaning it t- what I did was um, Harriet is 
I love Harriet. Harriet is um, the person I serve from the beginning of my life. And it's uh, the person that's kind of like my mother that will really, it wasn't her fault. She had no education. She had no training to be able to be powerful. And so I, my life is to serve Harriet, who is every woman, whether she's scrubbing floors at Walmart or whether she's the CEO. So, um, and that's what my body of work with all these corporations. I'm, I know women and that's what they pay me for and work with me for. So my job in my life is to serve Harriet. Mm. And, and in that, that book is dedicated to Harriet because I wanted to, I got up in the morning with Harriet and went through every phase of her life during that day, getting up in the morning. What do you do when you're still in bed? What do you say to yourself? Or what do you do in the shower? What do you do at breakfast? What do you do on your commute? What do you do at work? What do you do with your kids? Do you say, so there's a whole thing of every, and it's, and Harriet's tired when she reads it. She just got home. She's got three kids. She's a single mom. So three pages. Each each chapter is just three pages. So no matter how tired she is. Hmm. So again, with Harriet in mind, my my beloved book that I love though is A Life in Balance. That's that's an old book. It was 2006, but that's my love. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's my love book. The other one is is a great book, and it and it's very quick, very simple. Because I know Harriet's tired. Yes. <laughs> It's very tired. So the other bar, so it's Mindful Living Every Day, Uncommon Hope, A Life in Balance, Nourishing the Four Roots of True Happiness, and All to Your Life, Overbooked, Overworked, and Overwhelmed. I know Michelle's been putting the links into the chat. And also the the great thing, too, is um, uh, mindfullivingnetwork.com. Okay. Or or O-U-R-R-M-L-N, or you can go to either one, O-U-R-M-L-N, or mindfullivingnetwork.com. Through my body of work, thousands, God knows how many, 10, 20,000 articles, interviews, Washington Post, you name it. They, um, my contracts were always for me to keep my material. Mm. So all of that's on there. So what we do is we have videos. We've got anything, uh, mindful eating, mindful gardening, mindful family. We've got a great one on how to have a family meeting, which is critical. This, this, mm-hmm. We need to, at some point, if you want, we could talk about families and children because that's the number one stressor with women right now. Yeah, no, for sure. I, Especially I, with gaming and nature deficit disorder and stuff. Um, you know, the Surgeon General has named it the number one crisis is in the world right now. With all everything else going on is our children and our family. Because sure. here's, here's what I found out that I, I could send, because my kids went to, they were very, not only blessed, but uh, worked their asses off too. They went to Ivy League schools. And what I noticed was you got there and I don't care if the person in her dorm where we went to ABC or, you know, was the CEO of ABC or whatever. If you do not prepare your children, they could, when you get into those schools, everybody's got a four or 5.0. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, they're all smart. Mm-hmm. The difference of the sustainability and kindness and leadership and love and a good human being on this earth is if they learned how to be stress resilient. Mm-hmm. Because what I see is all these kids getting all these great degrees from all these great schools. Then I see them at 28 or 30 nervous breakdown, cocaine addicts, because they were taught to go to school and do this and do that. But we, they are inheriting a world that is so incredibly dynamic, Mm -hmm. stressful Mm -hmm. and, and challenges is what I'm going to be positive. Positive. Yeah, it's funny. My, like I said, my youngest, we had noticed pretty early by second or third grade was the anxiety. And all of my kids have had their moments up through college of 
of having that moment where they're just like, I can't handle this. And, and they're awful times and they're horrible times. And I know there's a ton of people listening that are, have gone through similar situations, but as we move through it, as we learn about medicines, as we learn about their brain, as we learn about resources and therapists, yes, I say to them, I'm like, I know that this is awful, but it is a blessing that you are learning this now because there are 40 year olds and 50 year olds right. who have never had this discussion, never had interventions, never learned how to understand their own Amen. brain. And you will be eons ahead if you can learn this now. Yes. This is part of your education. And so I'm a big fan of everything that you're saying. I want to thank you for being here. We definitely have to have you on again uh, just to learn about horses or goats or whatever <laughs> it is. You decide to talk about that day, because I'm a fan. Um, so thank you. TMI, TMI. Yes. No, this was so lovely. And I thank you so much. And I can't wait to hear more stories about your- And what a blessing you are. I'm serious. I enjoyed this. What a kind, kind, gentle uh, heart you have. Thank you so yeah. much. I, I really, really enjoyed in your presence. And I say that with a capital P presence, because I believe each one of us is a living prayer of God, not to God, because that would mean God was out there. But each of us is a living prayer and our our challenge and our um, our our mission and our order is to help each other Mm-hmm. Uh, unfold. Yeah. Well, and I think I, and you're doing and you're doing that. So thank, thank you. you. So thank you. And I think you have a lot of fans here that really enjoyed all of your stories. It's so fun. We have lots of different guests come on and, and some of the, you know, people come on with expertise and so many things, but the ones who have amazing stories, you know, whether it's on topic or off, it all kind of comes back. And it's just so interesting to, um, to hear about everyone's life experience and how they got there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah. as a matter of fact, I'm running off right now, meeting my daughter at a a counseling center, you know, so, so we, it's, as you said, I love what you said. It's a continuing process because she grows, she's a mother now and navigating very difficult times with managing one-year-old to three-year-old. She runs five ICUs. Wow. Wow. And, um, and she and I, you know, she's so stressed out and it's come out. We're the moms, right? They always throw up on us first. They started throwing up on us when they were small and it doesn't stop. It just gets a little stinkier. I got news for you. And it sticks a little harder and it's a little harder to figure out. Yes. 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 And uh, our, our therapist helps, helps, helps us clean it up. Yeah. Focus it for sure. Well, thank anyway, you so take much. Care. I'll see you soon. We'll have your Happy back. holidays. Happy holidays. You too. Bye-bye. Amazing was that? Wow. I do. I love when we have guests on that, uh, like David, who came on to talk about Story Summit, who we're going to have another guest next week from Story Summit. Um, But just so many people that are doing good things in the universe. And um, I am such a fan of storytelling. I'm such a fan of, um, you know, hearing people's testimonies and how they came to where they have uh, where they have come to find some great success. And so um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, if there's if there's something in your life that just feels stuck, um, sometimes you have to shake the tree and you have to move in a different direction and you have to go through that process of trying things. So, you know, if nothing else, take from this, um, maybe sit down and do that awareness part. What are the things that make you angry? What are the things that you're struggling with? What are the things that you're afraid of? Make your circle 
uh, and put it in your circle and then experiment. Yeah, try different things. What are the things that bring you joy? Her name is Dr. Kathleen Hall. And I know Michelle's been putting those links in, but you can find her at the Mindful Living Network, the Stress Institute. Um, and you can check out all of her books. I'm sure we'll have her on again, if nothing else, to hear more about ho- horses and goats. Um, because that was just as intriguing. Can you imagine a 125 pound baby? Anything? No. Mm -mm. Yes, it'll be available to rewatch. Stephanie's been taking all of our interviews um, out of our bigger shows and putting them up on YouTube. So you'll be able to see all of our guests, um, just their segments. Uh, If you'd like to rewatch them again, Outside of the morning show, you can check out YouTube. Um, but thanks. I know we're overdue today. So uh, thanks for staying with us. I think she was well worth it. Um, and we will um, be back tomorrow morning. I want to thank sexy producer Michelle for bringing another great guest on. She's not going to hit the clap button for herself, but we'll clap for her anyway. Um, and that's it. So uh, thanks for being here. Like Judy from Saskatoon says, uh, do something nice for yourself today. It's self, it's selfish Thursday. I just made that up. And it's a good thing. So do something nice for yourself uh, today. Uh, But thank you. Um, I hope you have a great day and a blessed day. And I look forward to seeing you guys here tomorrow. Thanks for watching. I'll see you. Bye. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed today's morning show, make sure to follow us for more One Funny Mother content. Okay, all right. Morse code is topping. And check out com for great, new, inappropriate swag. And for more exclusive content, consider becoming a supporter. She got a bad leg. Thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow on One Funny Morning. Boop, boop. <laughs>